The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today, on the lab report, we're going to talk about stinging nettle. Yeah, I'm not a fan of plants that are trying to harm me. You mean like all cacti? Yeah. Yeah. Cacti? Yes. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Well, seeing as you're going to the beach yeah. on vacation, and as we're talking about cacti, you ever been stung by a jellyfish? Yeah, I have, and my daughter got stung last year. What? I wanted to punch every jellyfish in the face. <laughs> Hello! Hi, Michael Chapman. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Patty Devers? Phenomenal. Excellent. Excellent. This is a podcast called The Lab Report, brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. It's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and jellyfish. Yeah. And if you like jellyfish and you like this podcast, no one likes jellyfish. maybe you could subscribe to the show, rate, review, leave us some stars and some feedback there. Do they serve a purpose? I don't know. Can we get rid of them? Probably. Can I put them on my ant list? You certainly can before or after the ants. Oh, ants are definitely first to go. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it seems every episode we alienate at least one group of people. This this week, it happens to be the jellyfish lovers. Again, not a thing. <laughs> but I am reading here that there might be some benefit to having jellyfish around. So, Like what? Uh, well, they actually can house developing fish and larvae for protection. Hmm. They develop these kind of symbiotic relationships. Um, and they also are important as it relates to the food chain by, like, preying on eggs and larvae and, and reduce survivorship and recruitment of fish stocks. So it seems like, hmm. you know, they're, they're kind of a link in the chain of this whole food chain. I wonder if ants have a purpose. No. Oh. That's, that's, that's why they're top of the list. <laughs> you know, I opened that present that you got for my daughter on her birthday, and I, uh, I sincerely thought it was an ant farm. I did it on purpose. All right, Patty, what are we talking about today? Well, I'm actually really excited. We're talking about stinging nettles. Yeah. And do you know anything about stinging nettles? I don't, nettles? and that's my whole point. Whenever we come up with a topic and it has to do with an herb or mm-hmm. a plant, mm-hmm. I get very excited because in researching for the show and even just talking to you, I learn so much. And it's it's things that we don't learn in conventional medical school. Well, as we'll see, there is a lot to learn about stinging nettle, and um, it's it's kind of a mainstay, you know, at least in herbal medicine, it's used quite a bit. It has so many different functions, and um, yeah, we'll kind of get into it. Well, and Patty, you know, since we're going to be talking about herbal medicine mm-hmm. uh, to a certain extent, I mean, this is not just herbal medicine, but we're kind of getting into plants as foods, too. So um, I think it's always good to maybe have somebody a little bit smarter than us on hand. And so with that, maybe we should get uh, my buddy Greg Monzel. Yay. You all might remember Greg Monzel. We've spoken to him before. Yep. He's a friend of Michael's, and he's an expert herbalist in central Indiana, and he's the founder of Wild Persimmon School of Wellness and friend of the show and on speed dial. So why don't we call him up? Better yet, I've got the magical harp here, so I'll just beam him in. Okay. Hey, Mr. Greg Monzel, thank you for Yay. being here and delighting us with your presence and your knowledge <laughs> as always. Um, yeah, we, we thought maybe have an expert on. We need some help because we're doing an episode on stinging nettles. And when we have questions about herbs or plants, we come to the guy who knows it all. Yeah, but first, uh, thanks for being here. How are you? Oh, I'm happy to be here. 
it's been a beautiful spring this year, lots of flowers out there and definitely uh, feeling good to be back to teaching again and kind of back to working with people again, getting through the pandemic. So it's great to be here. Well, today we were talking about stinging nettle, and this was actually, uh, I have to be honest, was your idea uh, to have this conversation about how important nettles are. And so I was just wondering, maybe give me your just kind of first overall impressions, thoughts on stinging nettle. Well, I think like most people, I think about the sting. Right, mm-hmm. right. So you might be thinking, are there stinging nettles? Yes, we're talking about stinging nettles. And, um, you know, people's earliest memories are usually of getting uh, brushed up with them against, you know, their legs or something and just takes a little bite out of you. Right. Uh, have you both been stung before? No, no. no I Yeah, I have um, <laughs> because I, I walk around in nature. Oh, yeah, get you have um, to go outside to get that. That's right. But mm-hmm. Patty has not. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not like a like a chemical burn like you get or, you know, a, a, a kind of eruption that comes with an arucial rash, for mm-hmm. instance. But it um, there those little stinging hairs on the nettles, which are indeed patty to defend itself from herbivory or things eating it. Um, they inject you like a little they call it sometimes a phytohypodermic needle. And it basically injects you from those little trichomes into, um, you know, your your skin with um different neurotransmitter precursor type things like there's aldehydes and weird stuff in there um, that trigger this whole kind of um, urticarious rash, for instance. Okay. So if I'm walking in the woods, right. it's a possibility I could get stung by a plant. That's right. Is it here in our area of the country? Is it everywhere or is it only certain places? Yeah, it's a good question. I haven't actually, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I haven't seen it around here. I saw it a bunch in the Northwest when I was in Seattle, but I, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. That's a great question. I haven't, you know, I haven't looked at it all across the country. I know through most of the, you know, temperate north, there's a nettle in your area. Um, it may not be the same nettle that we consider kind of the official medicinal nettle, which is Urtica dioica, mm-hmm. but it, you know, you'll have something like a wood nettle or another species of Urtica, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think throughout really the northern hemisphere. Um, so, and it can be used relatively interchangeably. Different ones have different kind of stinging qualities to them. Some are more stinging than others. And um, there's an ongoing debate that will never be solved, of which is more stinging. Is it the wood nettle or is it the common nettle? But um, anyway, they, they have similar properties and can be used relatively interchangeably. They're both edible. And as an herbalist, I like nettles, for instance, because they are something I can give to almost anyone and feel pretty confident it's not going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of herbs that I can totally feel that way with. Okay, so you're telling me that there's this plant that has these little hairs that are going to sting me. And clearly the plant has created this as a defense mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. And you're telling me that if I walk by, it will hurt me. How in the world are you going to convince me that this is going to help me now as an herb? It does. Well, so you can can deploy that chemistry in those stingers in a different way and take it internally uh, along with the very nutritive qualities of the leaves of the plant. And, um, you know, you can get a lot of physiological benefit from that without having to get stung. Now, stinging is a way to apply medicine, you know, and it's, I was really fortunate and feel honored to have collected stinging nettles out of the garden for um, the late Dr. James Duke um, out of his garden in Maryland. And he used it for his joint problems with Lyme disease. Hmm. Um, You know, he'd have chronically inflamed joints for much of the year. And he would flagellate himself with fresh nettles Good word. when it was available. And that is a w- great way to apply it. Or, um, you know, traditionally it would be applied to rheumatoid arthritis or other types of kind of that, you know, reactive um, immunological type 
arthritis. Okay. Yeah, and you know the thing is, Patty, like hmm. the sting is not that bad. Oh. Like it's not something to be afraid of. It's, okay. it's kind of funny. I actually learned how to identify this plant before ever getting stung. What? And so I used to go hiking and I'd be like, oh, there's stinging nettle. And there'd be like a part of me that's like, I wonder what Like it looking for it, wanting to go to it. Yeah, well, I mean, just it was like, I wonder what it feels like <laughs> if I just grab this leaf with my hand, you know? No. I don't, it's no. kind of like this weird, like hyp- hypnotic <laughs> sort of enticement about like the, the sting. <laughs> No, I don't really feel that way about it. <laughs> All right, just me then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, is this something that only grows in the woods? Like I would only encounter it on a hike or if I walk through my neighbor's backyard? Well, uh, it gets pretty bushy. It often grows along waterways and where there's disturbed soil. It kind of likes to invade disturbed areas. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the common nettle does. And then, you know, in um, in wooded areas, at least here in the, the you know northeast uh, woodland area, it tends to grow along trails and paths in the woods. Um, so I see it frequently, you know, basically there to, I think, kind of keep us out of there a little bit, like humans stay out. Yeah, right. That, that's right. And, and it, right. Uh, it also doesn't mind like reaching a leaf over into the trail just as like, every once in a while I'll be like, <laughs> gotcha human. <laughs> but what well, can you actually see the stingers on the leaves? You can, but you do have to look pretty close. You know, usually you're going to feel them before you see them. Yeah. I'm pulling up a little picture here. Actually, it's pretty like, oh, let me look, see. But this is zoomed up real close. Let me see. What? That looks like it's going to hurt. <laughs> That's What is that? Yeah, right? They're like little needles. Whoa. I mean, we should put this picture in the show notes. We will. I guess that begs the question, though, Greg. Do all nettles sting? There are nettles that don't sting. There's a, there's a bunch of common names of plants that are called nettles that don't sting. Um, purple bed nettles, hedge nettles, all kinds of things that are just not even nettles at all. Most of them are mints. Um, but there are other plants in the nettle family the urticaceae, it's in its own family, um, that are related to it, like clearweed is one. I think it's in the Bomeria genus. And it's um, something I'll find like in sandbars and streams. And it looks like a nettle, but it's shiny. You don't see hairs on it. Um, there's no stinging hairs, but it, yeah, it doesn't sting. And I think it's also edible. So why would you eat it? Is it nutritious? Just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> Nettles are known to be high in protein in the leaves. And so they, they impart a... Um, kind of herbaceous flavor, like umami flavor to soups and stocks and um, pestos and whatever you make with them. I like to just saute the tops of them too, especially early in the spring. They're full of uh, chlorophyll and vitamins A and E, and I, I imagine uh, all kinds of different minerals as well. Um, so yeah, it's really kind of almost like a multivitamin in a plant. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like, um, it reminds me, so the main way that I used to use it in clinical practice, and this is obviously, you know, coming from where I was taught, was that um, nettle is so nutrient dense, so mineral dense, mm-hmm. that it makes a really great addition to a mineral tea, which yeah. we would give to almost every single patient practically that walks in the door because of how rampant mineral deficiency is. Um, but, but yeah, like as far as mixing nettles into tea with like red clover and other things like that would be really nutritive yeah now nettle is a little bit of a diuretic as well Mm -hmm. so you got to be sure you're kind of giving it to the right people with the right oh yeah sure you know mix of herbs so that they're holding on to those minerals and not just kind of you know purging them back out yeah that is the one concern i have with the plant you know in terms of contraindications is it is a diuretic so it can dry people Mm -hmm. out okay well aside from it being a nutrient dense food and aside from it being being a diuretic where else would you use it clinically yeah, I mean, I, I first use nettles for upper respiratory allergies. Right. So it's pretty much anywhere kind of autoimmune, you might consider okay. giving somebody nettles because it's probably just going to help their body work a little bit better. 
and help regulate some of those uh, immune responses because those, you know, those stinging hairs, the, that chemistry in there is triggering some regulation happening and some, some stimulation of certain neurotransmitters and kind of nutritive support of others in a way that tends to have a net anti-inflammatory benefit for people that are taking it. So um, I tend to use it as a part of, of formulas where somebody has autoimmune stuff going on, um, especially where it affects the joints. Connective tissue stuff, I think it's a great place. Again, it's the mineral content probably that has something to do with that as mm. well. But it's these it's the synergy of the nutritive benefits of it and the chemistry of it that tends to, I think, give the best benefit when you give it to someone. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the places that I tend to think about it is in areas of congestion because you've got that diuretic component and then you have oh. that inflammation mediating component. I get it. it. It's very good for things that are like uterine congestion, premenstrual mm-hmm. water retention. Mm. And then getting back to what Greg mentioned earlier, mm. there's that uh, respiratory congestion associated with allergies and various things like that. So it's like, I think of a congestion herb. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. Where there's swelling and I'm in places and then not in others or something like that. Yeah. So it's clear we want to gather this herb, but it's also clear that it's going to sting me if I try to gather this herb to take it home, <laughs> right. to use it as a medicine. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, approaching it carefully from below is the best way to get to it. Uh, you can wear gloves, you know, most people just wear gloves. So just wear gloves. Or if you want to, you know, take, take the, get the full experience of it, <laughs> just go out there and barehand it and, you know, kind of little tips that are still tender around the edges, maybe where the deer have nibbled it or something and s- snap those little puppies off <laughs> where they're tender still take those home, you know, and, um, um, saute them in a pan, you know, with some onions mm-hmm. and some spices and whatever else you're having for dinner. Maybe those oyster mushrooms that you found nearby, of course, um, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. And they're delicious, you know, throw them in soups, stocks. Um, you can dry them and then, and then make tea with them. But, um, really, you know, getting stung in the hands, I feel like is one of the benefits and it's really one what? of the ways you can feel how the plant works. Cause when they, when they sting you, the first thing is the worst. And then it starts to actually kind of treat that inflammation response that it's causing Hmm. so it triggers Mm -hmm. this it's you know i think of it as a counter irritant effect like you get using cam4 topically like it brings the it brings the circulation to the surface so it's moving fluids through and getting it flowing um so you're kind of provoking a response you know Mm -hmm. in this case an an anti-inflammatory response okay Mm -hmm. Okay, so I can kind of see what people are thinking here is I'm going to go out and I'm going to use gloves and I'm going to grab this plant that Uh has stingers all over it. I'm going to bring it home and then I'm just going to I'm going to eat it like isn't that going to be bad for me? Like or does something in the cooking process break this down? Like how does that work? Yes. So they are sensitive, tender plant parts. You know, they're they look tough and they look, you know, they are a little bit tough, but you can break them down from just massaging them a little bit. You know, so you can actually just take a raw leaf and kind of rub it between your hands. And if you have tough gardener hands like mine, you're not <laughs> even going to get stung doing that. And um, you can pop that right in your mouth and eat it. It's totally fine. I've done it a hundred times. But, um, but wait, you're going to get stung in the mouth. It would sting your tongue. Yeah, it stings your mouth. I've had mouth stings too. Occasionally you get a little mouth sting what? if you eat it like that, but it's okay. <laughs> um, it's just a mouth sting, Patty. Get over it. <laughs> it's not That's okay to me, no. Well, I mean, so again, the net effect of getting stung is that it starts out it hurts. But if you get stung over and over, like if you're harvesting it, mm-hmm. your hands just go numb. Huh. And it's like a tingly numbness that Here. sets in. And that will last for days. That can't really? be good. So you can really see how that would affect, you know, joint pain for somebody. Uh, sure. I think you maybe it's like a, 
a capsaicin type effect where you run out of substance P mm -hmm. and exhaust that in there and then you can't feel pain anymore. I'm not quite sure why, you know, exactly the physiology here, but it, mm -hmm. it's something that's undeniable for anyone who has gathered lots of this plant with their bare hands. Sure. You, know, you can feel it. You're a beast, Greg. <laughs> No, again, I'm kind of actually intrigued what? by that. Like, but the problem is I can't haven't been able to find much of it around here. The only place I've actually been able to get my hands on some nettles is uh, at the farmers market, and they've already been like pre-washed. Oh, good. That's nice. You can get it at the farmers market where you live. That's that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, Asheville, baby. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you live in the heart of herbalism country, though. So. Right. Well, then for me, you know, I just take them from the farmers market back to the suburb, <laughs> and I just throw them in my <laughs> spaghetti sauce. Meanwhile, someone so, went and gathered these. Now they can't no, feel their arms, and you're like, oh, spaghetti sauce. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, see, it's that simple. It's not, you don't have to overthink it. Like, it is really that simple. Like, you can just toss it in something, treat it like a regular cooking green. Just don't handle it too much, like, <laughs> if you don't want to get stuck. And then, yeah, by the time you dry it, you know, for teas, it's it's disarmed. By the time you cook it for a couple minutes, it's disarmed, so... Yeah, it's always good to disarm your herbs. <laughs> well, you mentioned that it tastes like umami, so it's kind of like a savory tasting herb? A little bit, yeah. It's a little meaty. So I like to combine it with more flavorful herbs like Tulsi, maybe a little bit of licorice, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of schizandra berry if that's not too stimulating for you. You know, stuff that makes it a little taste a little better. Hmm. Is it a nervine? Is it considered a nervine? Um, you know, something that helps calm the nervous system? Is it a Nervine? Ah, not in the way that I tend to think about Nervines being like noticeably relaxing. Definitely a nutritive benefit. Hey, Greg, did you know that over in the UK, there's a town called Dorset where they host every year the World Nettle Eating Championship? I did not know that. I, that would be, I would do that. Oh, you totally should, man. You're <laughs> yeah. like a shoe in you'd, right. you'd win. I would do that. Well, it actually takes place at this brewery. Apparently they put nettles in the beer there, so... That's a great idea. You know, one of the best beers I ever made had nettles in it. Really? Hmm. Yeah, it was good. In this particular case, I had like, you know, spruce tips and a little bit of sassafras bark. <laughs> and, um, it came out with these kind of Belgian banana cones from the wild yeast that we used. It was so good. Huh. I wish I still had a bottle of that somewhere. <laughs> and the, the nettles gave it this nice brown body to it, you know, kind of this thick mm -hmm. molasses character. It was good. Yes, it's so interesting how many different uses there are I for know, nettle. I know. Now there's a there's a story about it too with another famous herbalist bringing up famous herbalist here, uh, David Winston. Mm -hmm. That this story gets told that um, that David was meditating on patients that he had with dialysis or on dialysis for the for kidney disease, mm -hmm. and was out kind of out you know maybe in his garden. I don't know exactly where he was, but he was meditating on this. And he was thinking about it and. He, um, you know, he has the Cherokee background and as well as other herbalist traditions. And hmm. so he, he has some different ways to kind of learn about things besides just the scientific chemistry based stuff. Mm -hmm. right? right. So he's out in his, his garden and he notices that these nettles are are kind of waving in a way. <laughs> what? It seems like they're blowing around in the wind, but nothing oh. else is really blowing around in the wind. It's just those nettles. Huh. And so um, so he sort of he hears this, you know, voice coming from the nettles. It's like. Use me, use me for your patients with dialysis. What? And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> use metals? Like, you're talking to me? And he's like, it's like, use my seeds, give them my seeds. And he, you know, listens to these messages from the plants. And I'm sure I'm oversimplifying this. <laughs> this is based on third hand stories. I haven't heard it directly. So forgive me, David, if you hear this. And, um, 
and I'm doing you some injustice. My my, my apologies. Anyway, um, he starts giving people nettle seed um, that he has for patients, and he's starting to see people get off of dialysis. Wow. What? And this has been told through herbalist circles for years now, and there have been many, many cases now of people helping folks get off of dialysis using nettle seed, which is kind of shocking anecdotal evidence to me um, that it hasn't maybe been more explored or studied or researched or, or somehow, you know, kind of taken to the next level to really help people out here. Cause we have so many people with kidney disease Mm -hmm. and not a lot of great options. Right. Right. But if if something as ubiquitous and simple as, as nettle seed out there, I'm looking at it right now at my window. Um, Waiting for it to wave back. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it seems like something we sh- should really be maybe investigating a little bit more deeply. And Well, I will say this, this, that usage of nettle seed is not the first that I've heard of that being used yeah. in chronic renal failure. We actually, um, and maybe the story has gotten around, but we, <laughs> right. we learned it to a certain extent. And I, I know some, uh, some people uh, who also use that for chronic re- renal failure. So um, hopefully there will, will be studies coming out on this. Well, then how do you know to use the seeds versus the leaves of a medicinal plant? I think of the leaves as being more diuretic and the seed as being more nutritive um, hmm. for the kidney. So I don't, I don't know if the seeds are more diuretic as well. I haven't experimented with them enough to get a good feel for that yet. Again, there's just not a lot of history on, on its use and um, understanding yet, but it's something that's definitely being explored. And, and, you know, anytime you go to try to buy nettle seed right now, it's out of stock everywhere, it seems like. Hmm. So, yeah. I think for the best. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> are there any other conditions that we don't normally think about uh, that you might use nettles for? In your description of, of nettles and its, you know, vitamin content and stuff, you know, the iron content is definitely significant. So that's one place that I use it too is in folks with iron deficient anemia, hmm. um, folks who are, um, you know, are postpartition and need some some help. You know, who have just had babies. Um, I often give them nettle teas along with maybe red raspberry and some oat straw. Oh yeah, oh, we should totally do an episode on oat man. Well, I'll say this, like a lot of times people are just kind of reaching for a capsule, you know, reaching right. for like a bottle off the shelf. So how do you feel about the effectiveness of nettle mm-hmm. capsules? Well, I mean, I think, I think capsules can be okay with nettles. I think it's hard to get to really an effective dose with capsules though. You'd have to take, you know, a half of a bottle or so, you know, it's a, it's a food. You need to eat it. You need to take a bunch of it or, um, you know, you can make a tea with it and that's a pretty good way to extract the chemistry in it, I think. Um, but I think eating it is probably the, really the best way. Okay, well, we talked all about the seeds. We've talked all about the leaves. What's left? I mean, there's more. Nettles. There's the root. We didn't even talk about the oh, root, guys. The roots. The roots. Right. The roots. <laughs> the roots. The roots are, um, they're almost like, they're kind of rhizomatous roots. So they, it's almost like the stems of them are curling around underground, and they create these kind of thick mats down there. And um, if you, you can kind of peel them back in, in bunches. And then... Um, those are taken for men's health. They can help. Right. seems like they can help a little bit with um, prostate inflammation. Right. Now, again, it's an inflammation thing, mm-hmm. but for some reason, the root seems to be more effective. It has some saponin-type constituents in there that don't seem to be in the rest of the plant. Right. So that's kind of, it's kind of only used for that traditionally, as far as I know. I don't have a lot of other uses for it. Okay. It's not common ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I will say, you know, for those biochem geeks out there, like it has been studied and looked at as a 5-alpha reductase inhibitor. And so when we think about 5-alpha reductase, that converts testosterone to DHT. And so by limiting that, it's it's very effective in things like BPH. 
Thank you for bringing the chemistry, Mike. Um, that's not all. Though. There's what? still more. No, 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 come on. There's still more. What I mean, what else have we we've, we've gotten like the flowers and seeds, mm-hmm. right? We've got the leaves, we've got right. the root. There's uh-huh. the stem. Oh, the stem. There's still a stem. stem. The plant, right? So right. the whole plant. Okay. Uh, the stems are not um, maybe medicinal per se, but the stems have an amazing fiber, hmm. and so hmm. the nettle fiber um, is extracted from that and woven, and it's it's almost as strong as hemp. It's a very strong fiber, yeah. very rot resistant. And you might be like, oh, that's that's kind of weak sauce, right? Like, oh, he's just going uh, to go with fiber. Like, that's what we're talking about. But this stuff can save your life, you know? So um, fiber cordage is really important if you're trying to build shelter. Yeah. Uh, or if you want to maybe – I always thought it would be cool to make, like, a linen shirt out of nettles. I think that would be super cool. Yeah, actually, I read that nettles were used to make clothing. Mm-hmm. And there was a thought that the German Army uniforms were made of nettle because there was a shortage of cotton. Mm, that uh, that's interesting. I mean, when you think about it, like, what can this plant not do? Like, <laughs> it does everything, all right? And you're using right. all sorts of different parts of it, uh-huh. and it has all these different clinical indications. Right. I mean, it's just phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a it is an exceptional plant. I'm gonna hold it in in high esteem, you know, for my entire life because it is an exceptional plant, frankly. Mm-hmm. So there, I mean, it is a, it is. You can say that about a lot of plants that they're useful, sure. that they're edible, that they have all these different things, but Nettles is really an exceptional plant. I would put it up in the top 10 herbs for me. Whoa. Wow. No, and that's, that's a pretty elevated status. Mm-hmm. Well, what, I mean, we got to do this. What, what else is, <laughs> what's number one? What's in your right. top 10, I guess? Uh, number one, I mean, it might be calendula. Mm. Good one. I think it's calendula. And I have a huge crop this year. It's great. It's starting to bloom really nicely. Yeah, that's also, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of stuff going on there with uh, the reopening of things slowly. And so why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you have going on at Wild Persimmon School of Wellness. Oh, yeah, yeah we're, we're back open again. Things are opening up, which is so nice. So we uh, we launched a, our first series of in-person classes on herbal medicine making that start late June. Good. And those sold out in less than a week. And nice. I'm so thankful cool. just to have people... You know, they'll be back here on the land again, hanging out with me and the plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there's some pent up demand. So it's nice to see right. that people have reconnected with their gardens and with their landscapes and their health. But another thing we have going at Wild Persimmon, we have another project is the Apothecart, which is our mobile herbal dispensary um, and eventing kind of thing. So um, I'm really excited about that. That's been a personal pet project and um, kind of taking the vending piece to the next level. We have now kind of a permanent uh, structure that we can tow and bring to events and do, you know, freshly picked teas of the day, along with dispensing our um, products and um, running workshops out of there, too. So really excited about that. And I will Um, say you can see pictures of it uh, on Instagram, Wild Persimmon (laughs) Wellness, but uh, it looks great. And Greg, Greg, build it. Thanks. appreciate it. It's still under construction. So um, we'll have, you know, more, more pictures once it's complete as well. So. Um, thanks for the shout out, Mike. I appreciate it. And I think, you know, it's been interesting to see how one of the effects from the pandemic is this just more um, focus on what's what's what what kind of life do we really want to live? Yeah. And mm-hmm. what's really good for us? Is it our, you know, day job or is it yeah. sometimes it's like the gardening and the, the kids taking care of the kids and all this stuff? It's I don't know. I think it's a blessing. I think it's a blessing. And certainly for, for my work, it's it's a benefit. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have really begun reconnecting with nature on the back end of this pandemic after yeah, lockdown. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I, I hope I hope people are you know also more interested in funding parks after this because I think yeah. that's really important mm-hmm. to fund conservation. 
So we have access to nature and we have homes for these plants. These plants need nature. They need it way more than we do. So we have encroached on so much, uh, you know, in Indiana, we've lost 86% of our wetlands and um, we're, we're losing these plants so fast. We really need to rethink, you know, where we came from and who we mm-hmm. are as a organism sure. well on said. this land that yeah. we need these plants. We need these foods. We need these medicines. And um, they are the key to our survival and our success. And so, you know, the more that we can kind of give back to these plants that are giving to us, I think the better too. I hope that comes out of this whole pandemic. Well said, um, Greg Munzo. Greg, you're the best. <laughs> We're so grateful that you came on. We want to encourage everyone to visit Greg's work at wildpersimandwellness.com and find him on Instagram and Facebook as well. Greg, do you have a favorite sandwich? A favorite sandwich? Oh, man. I mean, the Reuben comes to mind. That's right. You see, see, see Patty? You I know. See how this goes? Every single naturopath chooses the Reuben. <laughs> every <laughs> single best. one. It's the but sauerkraut, the, I but, think. But really, we just want to say thanks for coming on the show oh today, gosh, Greg Munzel. Thank you so much for having me and for being a good advocate for the plants also out there. Much love. All right, I've got it. What? I'm going to somehow find some stinging nettles. No, I think we should do I'm a field trip. Let's st- do a field trip. Okay, we can do that. And we'll record being stung by That's the nettles. Right. Exactly. Or are we going to do another cooking segment? We'll do both. Oh, okay. Next time on The Lab Report, we finally put the microscope on sunscreen. Is this because you're going to the beach for vacation? You know, the sunscreen makes the sand stick to your skin. (laughs) You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. For connective tissue or for muscles, I mean. Oh, shoot. I love that thing on. <laughs> I got to hold on. Gotta... Wait. Wait. Are, you, are, we, are you the little shepherd's hook <laughs> to pull me off stage? <laughs>